Happy Sundays, everyone. Welcome to the latest Progress with Unity podcast. Today's episode is featuring myself, uh, Barry Worthington, and I'm joined with Dan Farrimond. How are you doing, Dan, on this wonderful Sunday? Very well indeed. Thank you for asking, Barry. Excellent. How are you? I'm excellent, Dan. I'm excellent. I'm uh, surprisingly good, considering we lost a game of football yesterday, but I think I saw enough in that game to... Give me a little glimmer of hope for the coming weeks. Don't know how you felt. Yep, I absolutely agree. Should we go into the game now? Yeah, why not? Why not indeed? Uh, I'll just get through the stats. 49-51% in Lincoln's favour, so pretty even really. A very encouraging 16 shots from us, 7 from Lincoln. We had 3 on target to the 4. The corner count was 5 apiece. Fouls, 18 to the 7. And yellow cards, we picked up three, up four, and they picked up three. Our players that picked the yellows up were Wooten, Massey, Proctor, and Asgard. I'd like to start talking a little bit about the formation we played yesterday, which was 4-2-3-1. Do you think it suited us? Well, I think it worked quite well yesterday against that particular team. But one thing we did very well, I believe, is we hurried and hassled them all over the pitch we, I think we actually came out of the first half having won the midfield battle, I would say. We definitely matched them in the first half. I think it held up quite well. In the second half as well, we continued that good form, although it didn't turn out the way we wanted to. I think, as you say, we can take a lot of positives out of it. Murray was, was quite effective in the first half. He did, a, like you say about the harrying of the opposition, he did a lot of that going on from Murray. But he was clutching his hamstring uh, on several occasions and it didn't turn out for the second half. Is that going to be a massive blow for us if he's missing for a couple of weeks? Uh, potentially, yeah. But I think we're going to mention a little bit later on the fact that Messi is coming back to fitness. And he came on in the second half, um, or played about a half of the game. I thought he looked pretty good, considering he's not had a match in however many months. He did, yeah. Gav, Gav Massey there. He, uh, he he played a, a, a little bit deeper, didn't he? Uh, like at the, what was he say at the head of the triangle just behind the main, main striker. Uh, he, he looked quite sharp and was good. Yeah. And also not forgetting that uh, Lee Evans is, is coming back to fitness as well, so... He might just be coming back at the right time if you know if Murray's going to be out. What do you think of Ojo in there yesterday and generally, Dan? Ojo, I, I, yeah, I think he's been a part of a lot of the things that we've done well. But then equally, when we've not done well, he's sort of been quite anonymous, I think. If we can get him more into play, like we've been doing with Solomon Osibor, even though he's not, he's not really been on form of late, if we can get those people into the game, I think rather than being stuck in our own half and laying deep as we had to against Hull and for a little bit against Oxford, if we push forward and get people like him involved, we'll do well. Yesterday, Solomon Ottobor was give us an option, didn't he? And similar to what Asgard does, and obviously Callum Wang, ball at the feet and they run at the opposition. And it puts fear into him. And I'd like just to talk about Callum Wang's goal now, Dan. He picked it up uh, over on the left wing and cut inside and, and, and it's a 30-yard thunderbolt <laughs> that the keeper, I don't think the keeper saw it, straight into the top corner 
an absolutely fantastic goal. But that, again, was made by him running with the ball. Does that formation lend itself to, to that sort of thing, do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. But thinking about Callum Lang's goal, I, I did note that Asgard and Lang pushed quite a bit in that sort of manner. Uh, and Ottobo did did a little bit of running with the ball. Got that flexibility about it for me, you know. With the are midfielders and they are attackers at the, at the same time. I, I, I do. I like it. I prefer the five. I prefer the three centre halves, if I'm being honest. But but it does give us um, it does give us a really good midfield as well. I think that one thing I will say about yesterday, we didn't create that many chances apart from the Callum Lang goal up until the last 15 minutes. And I'm not sure if we did change the formation or if we just changed the way we were playing. We created a glut of opportunities in the last 10 minutes and looked quite good. So if we can take that into the next game, into the rest of the season, we've got a chance. Yeah, I was sort of impressed with that uh, last last flurry. I mean, Callum Wang's uh, was millimetres off connecting with the ball that was slung across the six-yard box when he sliding in. And then, obviously, he had his... He had his header, which he unfortunately put wide from a, an excellent opportunity. And, you know, on, on another day, he would have had an hat-trick and we would have won the game 3-2, which, listening to Liam Richardson's interview at the end of the game, he said he had been disappointed with the draw. And I think he's, he, he was correct in that, that uh, assessment of it. Because, for me, we did look the stronger team, the better team, the more likely team to win the game. Sucker punch, I mean, we can blame people for them two goals we conceded all day long and analysed them to death. But if we'd have taken our chances, we'd have won the game. And it would be as simple as that. Yeah, considering it was top versus bottom. Right, and so that gives us loads of positives as we're moving forward. You know, we played well against a, a team chasing promotion, looking every much like a promotion winning side, to be honest, with the results they're getting. Um, they're, they're, they're winning 1-0, 2-1s. They're not... They're not battering teams, but they're grinding them results out and they're on a good run. And it looks like Lincoln, you know, is, is going up. And if you choose your other, choosing your three teams for a promotion, you'd say Lincoln and two others. So very positive. And we take that into Tuesday evening where we make the trip down to relegation contenders, Bristol Rovers. And it's, it's a basement battle, Dan, a real basement battle. And before we start looking into the game, we've got a friend of the podcast coming on to give us an insight into Bristol Rovers. It's Kaz May from the At Gazcast podcast. Bit of a mouthful. It's the At Gazcast podcast. And they are available on all your platforms and Twitter also. So we'll have a little listen to what Kaz says. So my name's Kaz. I'm a Bristol Rover supporter and I'm part of the Gascast podcast. And you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and across all major podcast providers. To be honest, with Paul Tisdale getting sacked, I did think it was probably the right decision because it just wasn't happening for him. Um, I just don't think he's cut out to be a League One manager. Um, the results weren't going his way. It looked like he'd lost the dressing room. And if I'm honest, I think if Paul Tisdale stayed in charge till the end of the season, we'd be down. So it's a gamble we had to take um, because it couldn't be much worse, to be honest. Um Widrington is doing okay. Uh, you could tell the players respect him. Obviously, he's the director of football, so he recruited most of these players. So um, he, he's done all right, bar the result on Saturday. He 
pulled off an impressive win against Portsmouth, who are one of the best teams in this league. So um, I do like him as a guy, but I don't think he would be the man to take us forward long term and he doesn't want it either. So um, I think that's fair to keep him as director of football role. Um, And in terms of someone coming in, it's it's a tricky one because I do like Joey Barton as a manager. But Joey Barton as a man, I'm not so sure because he's got such a bad reputation and it will really divide the fan base. And if he doesn't get off to a good start, then it can turn toxic very, very quickly. And when there's a toxic fan base, you're not going to get anywhere. So uh, Joey Barton as a manager, yes. But then there's also Stendel, who did well for Barnsley. Um, He got them up to the championship at his first attempt from League One. So he's proven in this league with Barnsley um, and a feisty German manager, which I think was perfect for what our team needs. They need a bit of a kick up the ass, to be honest. Um, So, yeah, Stendhal, probably my first choice, just over Joey Barton. Yeah, the 2-0 loss to Gillingham um, was... It seemed a bit of an unfair result, to be honest, because I thought we played really well. We obviously had a bit of momentum off the win from uh, from Tuesday against Portsmouth. Um, so I was quite optimistic about Gillingham, to be honest. Um, I did a podcast with Jill's in the Blood um, and they sort of said uh, that they are a bit of a hit and miss team. So I was hoping that they would be off form. But to be honest, they, they weren't great themselves, Gillingham, and they were there for the taking. So it was very frustrating for us not to get at least a point out of it. And uh, 2-0 does flatter them slightly. Um, in hindsight, they probably did deserve the win because if you if you don't take your chances, then you don't score goals, you don't win the game. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, John Akinde, yeah, no surprise whatsoever. A, a player that was no good for us whatsoever when he played for us. Um, of course, he was going to score against us. And that was the, the difference between John Akinde in this league and our strikers is that he takes his chances. He had one chance and he scored it. And then from then on, we just lost our mojo um, and, and it, it rattled us. And yeah, we paid the price for it. Ultimately, we had 19 shots, didn't convert any of them. So it's our own fault. Players to look out for for us, um, although Hanlon is our top scorer at the moment, he's been off form lately and he doesn't seem to be finding the net. He's had his chances, but he's not converting them. Um, to be honest, Jonah Iunga is um, this big, boisterous striker that we've got now. He's really starting to come, <laughs> exactly what you don't want. He's really started to come out of his shell. Um, he scored two against Portsmouth and two convincing goals, like a proper good striker. Um, reminded me a bit of Johnson Clark Harris, actually. On, on the Portsmouth game because yeah it was it was two well taken goals um and although he was a bit anonymous on Tuesday I sorry although he was a bit anonymous on Saturday I do expect him to kick on from now and maybe score some more um and midfield wise Luke McCormick sort of plays midfield front three he sort of switches it up throughout the game he's a very tricky tricky player we've had him from Chelsea um we've got him on loan and it'd be an absolute coup if we can sign him permanent because he is one of the best young players I've seen at Bristol Rovers in a long long time um he's tricky and he he can find the net as well which is great um and Sammy Nicholson is another one who's quite similar to McCormick they're a bit like for like um Sam Nicholson is contender from the the players of the season he's he's been brilliant um he was rested on Saturday um, and I assume that was because we wanted to keep him fit for Tuesday. So look out for him because he's the type that can run through an entire squad and, and, and pick out the net. So, yeah, those are the ones I would say. I'm not sure on Bristol Rovers surviving this season. It's so difficult to tell because after Tuesday's win against Pompey, I thought brilliant. I, th- I thought we've, we're going to turn this around now and we're going to go on a run. And then Saturday's game against Gillingham, we just 
didn't look like scoring ever. Um, so it's frustrating because I think our lack of um, clinicalness, or we're not very clinical at front. So that's sort of costing us big time. And I'm worried that we're just not going to score enough. The only thing that I think might save us and keep us up is that there are potentially four teams that are worse than us um, rather than us being good and and deserving to stay up it'll be sort of the other way around um so in all honesty I think we will stay up um just about and this is purely based on the impressive win against Pompey if we had if we had lost that I'd be saying we're down but I've I've got a glimmer of hope after that one um so yeah taking that into account I think we'll survive hanging by a thread perhaps on goal difference or something like that, I think we'll stay up. Um, and the teams to go down, I think Burton are down. Um, I know they're sort of picking up points now and they had, they, they signed some players in the transfer window, which is fair play to them because we didn't. Um, so yeah, but I think it's just a bit too late for them. And I think Burton will go down. I think Northampton will go down. I think Swindon will go down. And I don't want to say Barry, but yeah, I, I, purely because of the, the financial mess that you've had. I mean, it, it's not really your guys' fault, but I do think Wigan will slip into it as well. But you never know. It probably will be us, but there we go. So my prediction for the Bristol Rovers versus Wigan game is I think we will, I think it'd be a one-all draw. Um, probably one of us will go one nil up and the other will concede straight after, whichever way, because we both seem to have that habit of doing that. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to go one all because I, I try not to be too optimistic, only to be let down. I, my heart says that we'll win. My head says it'll be a draw. Because the thing is with Rovers is we seem to turn up against the better clubs in this in this division. Um, but the weaker clubs, or the clubs near the bottom, we just, I think we're a bit complacent, to be honest. Um, so I can't see us going out all guns blazing as much as I'd like to see it. I just don't trust us to do it. So, yeah, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Oh, first things first, Verdan. Uh, Cass thinks it's going to be a 1-1 one, one draw. Well, what I think and what I hope for are two different things. Uh, yeah, it, it depends which team turns up. And we are probably going to have to make a few changes, considering Mary is likely to be out. But maybe Messi can come back in and start the game. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? One all is a fair guess, I guess. I think we'd probably all go for that at this moment in time. I want to get a point down there. That um, we drew here at another piece with them. Uh, and she picked out two players. Uh, who took, if I'm being being honest, uh, the first one, Luke McCormack, I'm not really aware of. But Sam Nicholson, he's the second top scorer for them, and uh, she was raving about him being a very good player. And she said they tend to raise the game against the bigger clubs and start to struggle against the ones in and around where they're at. I mean, if you look at some of our results down this season, it, it seems a, like a little bit similar to us, you know, where we struggle against Rochdale, we lost to Northampton at all, even though we beat them away, we've lost to Swindon. So it seems a little bit like that, very similar to, to where we're at. Just a little bit of a statistic for you, Dan. We've only ever won once against Bristol Rovers away, and that was... In 1987. Oh, just the 34 years ago then. That's the one, yeah. Um, it was a 3-2 victory. On the flip side of that, we've not lost since August 1998, and that is a run of eight games. So we've got a little bit of form on our side in history, but it's still always been a difficult place for us to travel to. So, yeah, since we've moved to the DW Stadium, uh, they've never managed to beat us at their home patch. Is that correct? 
that, Did I that read will that be correctly. Yeah, that will be correct. Correct. Since the new era of Wigan Athletic, the DW era, the, the Dave Whelan era, the, the, the era of progression, <laughs> they've never beaten us in that era, however we want to call it. Um, the era of progression with unity. Progress. That's what a fantastic, what a fantastic title for a podcast that would make, Dan. Yeah, somebody should do that, shouldn't yeah, they? They should. One day. They should indeed. They should. <laughs> well, um, we've always found it difficult to go down there. And, you know, it, even when we had we stormed the league with Grig and, and, and Powley and all the rest of them, Dan Byrne, we still only managed to draw down at their place. If you remember that, that was a, a midweek game as well. I think that's the last time we played down there. We've, we've played them 27 times down the years. We've won 10, drawn 7 and lost 10. There's also the infamous Battle of Springfield game that we talk about every time we tend to meet them when, you know, we had all the sending-offs. Uh, I think those uh, they got went down to seven, didn't they, on the night, and we were down to ten. Graham Jones going off for an ebb butt, uh, and we, we run out victors that evening as well. That was back in 1997, February 97. Again, a long, long time ago. I don't remember it, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, I remember. I remember it well. It was. I think it was the only time I'd ever been in the Phoenix stand. A, an old friend of mine, who sadly passed away, was waiting outside uh, the stand as a, a rolled up to the ground, and he said, "Quick, come on, Baz! I've got us in the. I've got us in the Phoenix tonight." And we we got in for free, <laughs> so we went and it was a free night, and it was full of action, and it was brilliant. And uh, yeah, it was an incident-packed evening, and. Uh, Anyway, the great memories, great memories, though. Well, I wish I could have been there. Mm. Sounds magnificent. You'd have loved it. Anyway, the, the referee, Carl Brook, 19 yes. games, 68 yellows and two reds. Not a referee I've heard of before. Well, Barry, I believe it's his first, first season as a referee. Is that correct? It is. It is in the Football League, yeah. He's done, he's done a bit of, uh, I think he's done the Devon Amateur League. And he's progressed through to uh, the National League. And then this is his first season <laughs> in the Football League. Sorry, that's what I meant. I didn't mean that he suddenly <laughs> took up refereeing and became a championship EFL yeah, no. referee. No, he was a painter and decorator until last, last week. <laughs> last week. I'll tell you what, though, Dan, <laughs> he's probably better than some of the referees we've had this season, if that would be the case. Yeah, well, we've had a few decent refs in the last few games. They've let the game flow. They've penalise things where they should have. We, we've been quite quiet in regards to the referees, which is good, I think. Yeah, well, uh, uh, I'll be honest. I thought Trevor Kettle did all right yesterday for us because, you know, just going back to, to the Lincoln game, because we, we put in some meter challenges, didn't we? And he, he, he waved play on. And I think the player, since Darren Drysdale's incident uh, with uh, Alan Judge down at Ipswich, I think, I think players have probably... Uh, become a little bit fearful of challenging referees and their decisions this past week. Well, yeah, I think that's one thing we did well is went in with the big challenges, hassled and harassed people. And if we've got a referee on our side in midweek that can so, sort of back us in that strategy, then all the, bet, all the better for us. Yeah, I think one thing that uh, we will do, or hopefully we will do, is, 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 is battle and get stuck in and, and make it that you know that uh, that physical contest again because we certainly won that against Lincoln yesterday and I thought we'd do the same uh, you know with Bristol Rovers. Obviously, Kaz mentioned the fact that uh, you know they've this 
recently sacked Paul Tisdale. They've no manager. They've got the director of football running team affairs at the moment, Tommy Witherington, uh, and, and they're on the lookout for a new manager. So things are a little bit up in the air behind the scenes with them as well. It might be an ideal time to, um, you know, to play them, Dan. And with that in mind, how do you see the game going and give us a score prediction? Well, because I'm feeling in a positive mood after yesterday, I'm going to go for a narrow Wigan Athletic victory at either 2-1 or 3-2. I'm going to go with 3-2 because I think we'll find our score in boots again. That's a positive goal fest. We'll go 3-0 up and it'll finish 3-2. Oh no. Oh, oh my goodness. I don't think any nurse could say that. Well, I, I, I think, you know, we have to set up similar to last night. Or, you know, I, I wouldn't be a, a mess to us going three uh, three centre halves again if if we don't I don't want I don't want a four four two. I don't think we suit that at all. Uh, yesterday's four two three one was a good formation. I uh, I think if we could do that and get a, get amongst them, we will miss Chris Murray if he's injured without a shadow of a doubt because he gives us that energy and drive in midfield puts his foot in so we will miss him I don't know he come in whether Alex Perry come in or like you said Dan perhaps you know Gavin Massey getting a start but whichever way we go I'm with you I think if we can get if we can get an early goal I think we'll beat them if they get an early goal then who knows what's going to happen but I'm going to stick my chin out and say we're going to win 2-0. Oh, very positive. A lot more positive than me. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the vibes this morning. It's uh, I've never felt as positive after a defeat as what I felt yesterday. <laughs> well, <laughs> certainly great. a 2-0 victory would be so, so good at this time. Great morale booster. Yeah. So, that's that's we're coming to the end now of the Sunday special. And I'd just like to uh, let our listeners know that on Wednesday evening... We're going to be recording uh, the podcast with a representative, at least one representative of Wigan Athletic Supporters Club, who's going to join us. And they've got, um, it's fair to say they've got a bit of an announcement to make. And there's going to be some updates on where we're at with the sale of the club as well. So that's really is something to look forward to on on Wednesday. And I'll get that edited and out as quickly as possible, so people uh, are not waiting till midnight to you know to to be able to listen to it. So hopefully that'll be out around 10 p.m. on Wednesday. And obviously you can pick it up in all the usual places as well. So an exciting week, Dan. Yes, indeed, and it sounds very exciting. Um... All that you've got to come on the next episode of the PW podcast. But can I just say before we go, can I do a quick promo for another podcast? Yeah, for a different podcast that I've recorded with Paul Lewis, who used to be the he used to be the operator of the Wickham Wanderers website at the time when Roy Sando. Remember Roy Sando? I do. Yeah, he scored the winning goal for Wickham Wanderers in the FA Cup quarterfinals. They got through to the semis and take a look for the Teletext R podcast, the last edition. I interviewed Paul Lewis about that. It's a great story and a great listen if you have the time. I've seen that actually on Twitter, Dan, and they can get that through. Can they get that through your Twitter account? Yes, indeed. At Illartrate, I-L-L-A-R-T-E-R-A-T-E 
or just search for teletextarts.co.uk. Uh, and the player you mentioned there, Dan, Roy Asindor, he, uh, of course, was on trial at Wigan Athletic uh, the year before. He, uh, you know, he scored that, that wonderful goal for Wickham and made history. Well, I didn't know that. But did you also know that shortly after that match and after the cup run, he played in a game against Wigan and uh, he was tackled by a certain very, very famous Wigan Athletic legend uh, who was sent off. Can you guess who that was? Uh, was it Roberto Martinez by any chance? It was indeed, Barry, yes. Well, guess. There we go. That's I guess. So on that, on, on that well, we're a very cheery podcast uh, full of positives. I'd like to say thank you, Dan, and thank you, Cass, for joining us. And it's been, uh, it's been uh, wonderful. So... Uh, Happy Sundays. Happy Sunday.